Legally Blonde the Musical woke. <laughs> That's true. Okay, we can't even get into that. I can talk about it for 45 minutes. Um, Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. That's not it. That's not it. That's not the line. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. Welcome to One More Thing. Nope, that's not it. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Robert. And I'm Jay. Ooh, that That sounds sounds weird. weird. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm... I'm... Nope. (laughs) Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating pop culture through an LGBTQ plus lens. week is our history episode. We're going to talk about something new that we haven't really talked about on the podcast yet. The trans community before transgender was like a thing yeah, is I like what I wrote. wrote that. <laughs> and drag kings. We are super excited today because we have a guest with us. Let's introduce you the way we introduce all of our guests. Tell us your name. Bree Northrop. Very English. That's what we Bree Northrop. Are you English? I'm pretty much every white European. Sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah, not weird. at all exciting. <laughs> How you identify? I identify as a non-binary robot. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us the person, book, and movie you would bring to a desert island. I feel like this will change in five minutes, but my answer right now is person Janelle Monet. Oh. <laughs> Movie, probably Hocus Pocus. Whoa. Oh, yeah. No one okay. said that yet. I've never been bored by that movie. I know every line. Constantly thrilled by uh, 90s adaptations of mm-hmm. witchcraft, sure. uh, <laughs> particularly by Kenny Ortega. Um, <laughs> and book. Book. Oh wow, that was a, um, that was a cute oh throw honestly to Hocus not even intentional, good. but oh. it's just in my blood. <laughs> I would bring Giovanni's Room by James wow. Baldwin. Wow, it's my Ooh. favorite James Baldwin. Really? I've read it like thirty times. I, it's one of my favorite books of all time. I never get bored of it. I find something new every time I reread it. Brie, why are you here to talk about Drag Kings? Well, I think we can all agree that I peaked during my college <laughs> drag career. <laughs> so I did drag in college, and I was during that time. I'm sure before me there have been drag kings, but during that time I was the only time it's the only one at Sarah Lawrence. I'm I sure in the history of the world oh, there were the drag kings at Sarah Lawrence <laughs> at the gayest. You know I can't be the it's first. It's crazy drag you invented drag. I know that's <laughs> why I'm really here. excited. Episode. <laughs> The history of drag kings is just me. It's building. just you. Yeah, <laughs> you've it's met amazing. the one and only. And I performed under the name Wolfgang. I'm a clitoris blows hard. A late great distant relative. Of Wait, can Wolf- you say, say that again? Wolfgang. I'm a clitoris blows hard. <laughs> A distant relative of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yeah, it came to me like a stroke of genius, high as a kite on a Wednesday night. Um, And I was like, that's the name. And then I performed with my very best friend, who was a bio queen, who used her birth name, which is Mary Johnson. So it was always like, introducing (laughs) Wolfgang Amaclitoris Blowshard and Mary Johnson. (laughs) That's, I imagine, why I'm here. Yeah. Because I did drag. And also because you're a friend. I'm a friend. And I identify as trans. Yeah. So it's like I'm hitting all these birds with all these stones. So, Jay, why are we talking about these two things in one episode? Well, I wrote something really good in the outline that I'll just read, which is we feel that we, meaning 
I, when I was writing this at like 3 a.m., feel that historically the line between the two is blurry. E.g., was someone assigned female at birth living as a man because they were trans, or were they living as a man because of the privilege granted to men by society? Look at me with my intellectual rigor. And people don't really talk about the difference between those two things, I feel like. And also there's all kinds of movies and TV shows about, like, assigned male at birth people living as women and, like, trans women in the 18th century, but not a lot of trans men from a while ago. Remember, I was the first drag king, so I imagine. I, I remember the first gender studies class I ever took, which obviously I took many of at Sarah Lawrence College. Sure. It's as if I'm getting paid by Sarah Lawrence to keep <laughs> dropping their name. Sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading a bunch of different books about people in history who either dressed like opposite their gender for the time. You know, I'm, I'm using air quotes. You can't see that. But right. And I remember my teacher being like, you can't put labels on them that they didn't have then. And I think that's uh, yeah. like, embedded in what you said. I just read a book called Jane Crow by Rosalind Rosenberg about Polly Murray who was a person who, if living today, we probably would have considered a trans man. But at the time, basically a lot of the talk in the book is about, it's not really so much a book about gender, it's more a book about, like, Polly Murray's legal career, which is not so interesting. Well, I mean, it's interesting, I just don't really care about <laughs> mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. There, The sort of, like, little bits and pieces of stories about Polly Murray going to doctors being like, please give me testosterone because I definitely am a man because I'm a straight man, I'm not a lesbian, which we'll get to later when we talk more about Polly Murray. But in the introduction of the book, Rosalind Rosenberg says, Murray lived in a gender binary culture to use male pronouns for someone assigned female at birth in a time when that was not culturally possible or gender neutral pronouns when even to this day no consensus exists on what those pronouns should be disagree I concluded <laughs> would undercut the immensity of the struggle in which Murray was engaged and the significance of her contributions what do we think about that in some ways I agree I agree with the right. first half yeah totally um, yeah. the second half is where I think we can raise our little red flags but this idea that if people did not have the language to identify how we would identify and what gives us the right to put labels on them. Right. I think we should inherently be using it however people label themselves. Mm-hmm. And just because they didn't have the language doesn't mean that they were any more or less valid. It um, doesn't mean that if Polly Murray lived today, she would be like, no, use they, them for me. Like, we have no idea. We have no idea. Unless we get out a Ouija board. Unless. <laughs> it would be a very We'll do an episode time. about ghosts. Robert and I both very seriously oh. believe in ghosts. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I'm already a ghost, but if you ever need someone <laughs> to talk about ghosts... <laughs> we're just <laughs> changing the topic of this episode to be about ghosts. Oh, Honestly, wow. fuck the trans <laughs> Ghosts. Ghosts are where it's at. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of ghosts, do you know who's probably a ghost? (laughs) Polly Murray? Pope Joan. Oh. Robert, tell us who Pope Joan is since you brought her up. Pope Joan was, I'd say, give or take, 9th century. Yeah, I mean, it says that in the outline. (laughs) You have written Pope Joan, 9th century, a.k.a. John Anglicus. Of Mainz. Mainz with a Z. Who was one of the best known male impersonators. And like the first ever, sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) We can just call you Pope Joan. Could you imagine? (laughs) That would be amazing. I'd love to be Pope. Me too. Underrated. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Pope Joan was like the girl pope. (laughs) She entered the church to follow her lover and then rose through the ranks and then became the pope. (laughs) 
And no one ever noticed that she was a woman because she was pretending to be a man until she gave birth. And then they were like, oops. Listen, <laughs> Something's I'm no on. doctor. But... <laughs> oh, right. We don't know if she was real. No yeah. one knows if she was real. I was just going to ask. This feels so mythic. The first time anyone ever wrote about her was 200 years later. Like, no one acknowledged it until 200 years later. And then no one actually wrote down, like, her life, air quotes, until the 1300s, which, as we know, is after the 9th century. Now people don't think she's real. And she was just a crazy myth that like the Catholic Church invented to be like well all popes have to like go through gender testing because now there's that famous I don't know how well you guys are acquainted with pope mythology but (laughs) there's that famous like urban pope myth about how they have a toilet what okay get this there's like an urban myth that at the Vatican there's a toilet with spikes in it so that if the pope tries to sit down to pee ow 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 exactly so the pope can't poop exactly that's sucks. Yeah. That's just I don't an urban myth. That. The Catholic Church that. is crazy. Let though. me confirm that this is actually what I am thinking. I would believe it. Does he have to tell people like, toilet. hey, I'm going to the pooping toilet, which is a separate one, so that he can go poop? The use of, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I was wrong about what the myth is. <laughs> What's the myth? It's so the Pope would have to sit on a seat, mm-hmm. like a toilet, but it but it looked like a toilet seat. Oh. And they would just have to like sit on the hole of the toilet seat. And then all of the cardinals would have to go through and look and be like, is there a penis? Where did you come up with spikes? I don't know. I'm Googling Vatican (laughs) toilet spikes. (laughs) (laughs) I do believe that this is plausible, that this woman existed, because I was literally just talking to my dad about he's really into genealogy. And he was researching members of his family, and he had this one relative he could find nothing about. And he was like, what is going on with John Northrup? Why can't I find anything about John? So he went to the white state of all, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. uh, where John and his family were from. And he was in, like, the Milford Library or something and found one book that mentioned him and mentioned that he cheated on his wife, so he was exiled from the church. (gasps) And because he was exiled, there are no records of him after that. Because at the time, the church was the reason that records existed, if you were Catholic, at least. So I believe that there's totally a chance that this woman existed. But they just, like, got rid of the Yeah, that when they found out she was a woman, they were like... Nope. Burn it all. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Oh, yeah, I could believe that. So the world has been to war. What? Several times. <laughs> Zoinks. <laughs> a famous one was the Revolutionary War mm-hmm. in the United familiar. States of America. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you've heard of it. There's a famous general in the Revolutionary War who I did not know about until we started researching this episode, whose name was Robert Shirtliff. Her real name was Deborah Sampson. And she, I guess, just wanted to go to war and was like, all right, I'm going to be a man. And she just pretended to be a man for like a bunch of years to be a general in the war and at one point she got sick and a military doctor examined her and saw that she like had breasts and a vagina and was like yep this is a man so that's the first trans ally (laughs) (laughs) and then later her general found out and she was like honorably discharged and then she got married to a man and had three kids wow isn't that a crazy life I just want to say to any movie producer that's out there now if you're listening to the story here and now we want to be a part of the yeah. making of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll direct it. Abs- I would gladly play Deborah. <laughs> You'd be a great Deborah. I have another segue. Speaking of things that were made out of this story. There is a story similar to this one that was turned into a movie mm-hmm. about a woman in male drag in the military. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Hmm. <laughs> Anyone? Uh... Oh, wait. I think there was a movie in the 90s. Uh, I forget the name. But How it was maybe Leah Salonga and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's in it? He's the dragon. Yeah. 
Everyone, we're talking about Mulan. Mushu. I'm Mulan. I'll say right now, I have only seen the first 20 minutes of Mulan, and then I fell asleep. Wow, really? Yes. Never revisited? Well, this was like two years ago, because okay. I had never seen it. And then my friend was like, you must see it. And we started watching it, and then I fell asleep. Oh, it's Did great. You I really the liked end. the dragon. Mushu. Did you get to Reflection? Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Christina Aguilera meets Mulan. Christina Aguilera is in it? The no, she reflection. covered it. She covered... Yeah. There's a lot of... Have you ever, like, actually listened to the lyrics of Reflection? Who is that girl? That one? Yeah. Yeah, but it's all about, like, when will my reflection show who I am inside? Oh, the trans she's narrative. trans. Oh, I see. Isn't it true that at the end of Mulan, spoiler alert, there's, like, a no homo moment? Well, she basically is just like, I'm going to conform. I found this man. I'm going to give up my life of fighting and go be married to him. Does he fall in love with her when she's pretending to be a man? Kind Kind of. He's yeah. like a little bi curious. Oh my god! Yeah, he you would really like. This turns movie. out I love Mulan. <laughs> it's one of those things like Twelfth Night, where like oh, they fall yes, in love, yes. and then it's like, oh well, now that I know that you're a woman, Even here better. we go. Yeah. Wow. Um, crazy. There's in the this was during the Civil War. There's another like famous case of a woman being like, I'm going to become a man for war. Her name was Loretta Velasquez, and she was married at the age of 14. A few years later, her husband was like. Like, I'm going to join the Confederacy. And she was like, let me come with you. And he was like, nope. And she was like, better yet, I'm going <laughs> to surprise him. She gets in male drag. She changes her name to Harry Buford. She becomes a lieutenant and oh like God. slowly starts climbing the ranks. And then she goes and visits her husband to be like, surprise, it's me. And there is no record of his reaction, just that he died five days later. <laughs> <laughs> what? I swear. She killed him. I don't know. With her gender parity. I guess. I know. Maybe he was, like, attracted to her as a man, and he was like, what? Too and then he, gay, like, had a stroke function. and died. Yeah. Whoa. I know. So he wow. died, but she was like, I'm going to keep doing this. And she stayed in the military? Yeah. Did anyone ever find out? Yes. So they accused her of being a spy because she was, like, part of different espionages. They were like, you're a spy. And then she was like, no, but I'm a woman. And they were like, okay, <laughs> bye. And then she left the war and, like, got married. That's crazy. There's so many instances mm. of this, which I love. There were probably so many more of them that just no one ever found out. Yeah, think about that. People who just, like, died on the battlefield, and then they were like, all right, got to throw them into, like, a mass grave, and they never knew that it was some woman whose husband at home was like, hmm, she's been at the market for a while, you know?
let's talk about music halls. What's a music hall? In the early 20th century and like late 19th century, it was basically like before vaudeville. It was sort of you. Floris Foster Jenkinsy. Yeah, it was mostly in London and like the East Coast of America, and it would be these big pageanty shows where it was like coming up next, we've got whoever and this other guy, and <laughs> like they would come out with hats and like do dances, and there would be like horses. Jenny Lynn did a lot of music hall stuff, but there was like a common act in music halls was women who would like dress up as men and they would do like vaudeville acts as men but they would never reveal that they were women and they would be like super super famous in their like song and dance routines and then if anyone found out they were women they would get murdered yeah because women can't have talent and there's a really good book called tipping the velvet i think i've read excerpts from this yeah it's got some great lesbian sex scenes in it it's by our girl sarah waters it's this girl who's like a clam digger or something Ooh. or she works in like a clams restaurant i there's just a lot of like (laughs) there's like a clam imagery in the beginning where she's like putting her hands in clams and you're like okay and then she like goes to to see this performer <laughs> and then she's there all the time and her family's like you're too obsessed with that woman and she's like you're right and then she runs away and joins her and it's like an 800 page book but there's a part where they start performing together as men and there's a part where the audience like realizes that they're women and they're like ah! and like rise up against them and chase them out with torches oh my god and they call them toms oh like tom boy I, I, yeah yeah they like chase them out and apparently that was like really common is that these women would perform in drag all over the world and then someone would find out that they were women and they'd be like, nope, that's it. You're done. We gotta kill you. That's a really great plot for The Greatest Showman, too. Okay. Yes. That'd be really good. Okay. But then also, the craziest part is that they were married to their, like, wardrobe supervisors or, like, agents, usually, who were men. But then they would be, like, basically being held hostage by these men because the men would be like, I'm the only one who knows. (laughs) I don't know why. He was Southern. I'm the only... I'm not gonna do a voice. They're like, I'm the only one who knows. I know your secret. If you leave me, I'll reveal to the world that you're a woman and that you want to be with other women. And so you just have to, like, be with me. Haha. All of these women who were, by the way, in minstrel shows. So there was also that was going on. These women just being held hostage by these evil men, forcing them to perform and, like, be married to them when they just wanted to, like, wear pants. Wow. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Mm. These were definitely straight men. They weren't, like, being each other's beards. Usually straight men. Sometimes it was gay men. Those were the ones I read about that were like fun where it was like fun little gays bearding for each other and going to parties and yeah, like the man would pick me up and my the prom women. Dates. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here's a good media example. The Mystery of Edwin Drood, the musical. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's like a trousers role which mm-hmm. sort of came out of music halls. What would you define trouser role as? A woman playing a man on stage. Great. But in like a musical or opera. Because mm-hmm. it came from the opera tradition of entravesti. So like in trouser? I think so. In trousers! Oh, wow. Like the musical. Wow. Whoa. I love learning. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that clip? It's from some old timey movie where it's a woman who I think is in like male drag singing a song that goes lesbian butch dyke you can call it what you like but it's what i am and what i'll always be google it it's real what (laughs) i remember watching it in a gender studies class this class sounds great i I took very many (gasps) yeah are you a homo (laughs) you bet your nipple what she said you bet your nipple Call it what you like, but it's what I am and what I'll always be. Lesbian, 
Butch Dyke And that's why they call me Mike And not Shane or Susan nor Penelope I have a leaning towards a meaningful new Tate or Tate But if there's a man in the vicinity And if he infers he'd like to get in it, he Not only won't The only thing he'll get is a lesbian Butch Dyke You can call it what you like But it's what I am it's what I am and what I'll always be. Oh, she doesn't go off at the end. <laughs> she's a butch dyke. Fair, yeah, she's got to go down the octave. <laughs> Thank you for that Olay. That was... Isn't that insane? Truly crazy. What was that for? It's called The First, First Nudie, Nudie Musical. musical. Uh. I actually have no idea what this movie is, but I remember seeing that clip. Whoa, this is from the 70s. But it's a parody of the old of the old timey movies. <laughs> Brie, what do you know about sexual inversion? Uh, a fair amount. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yes. It was a, a term yeah. right that came out of like not knowing what to call homosexuality. Yeah. So they were like, we don't know what this girl on girl, guy on guy <laughs> stuff is. Uh, so you must just be inverts. Yeah. Like your bodies just must be like doing the reverse thing, basically. Right? Yeah, 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 that's exactly what it is. Yeah. This guy who invented it. Richard von Kraftebbing, who I like because it's spelled exactly how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> was also like, it's the same thing as when men want to dress like women or like think they are women. That's the same as when the men kiss the men, right? It was just like all inversion, With like all, long, all together. Problematic yeah. idea that sexuality and gender are the same exactly. stemmed from. Came ebbing, from this dude. craft ebbing. Was it used as, this is what we'll call this, or like a, you're this, and this is a derogatory word. It at was the time. a medical term, mm-hmm. but then I think it was also like. It became a legal term. Yeah, too. it was like a medical and legal term. Mm. And in the Well of Loneliness, ah, uh, yes. Segue. They like claim it as pride. At the beginning, Stephen is like, I don't know what it is. And then she like finds the term inversion and then meets this whole group of people who were like, yeah, we're proud inverts. We like love being inverts and we throw Hmm. parties. So I think it was like a derogatory term, but then also medical, legal, like an official term, but then also derogatory. But then also like. So maybe it was like the word homosexual where like awful politicians can be like the homosexuals, Uh but then we're like homosexuals. The Well of Loneliness was the first time that that conversation about labels came up yeah where everyone in the class was like um that person is trans and my professor was like um you don't get to do that and that was actually the first time that i had that conversation i also felt until halfway through the book i did not realize that rafferty was her horse <laughs> i thought it was her very quiet friendship her quiet <laughs> friend who died very early yeah i was like <laughs> She has she has a horse <laughs> that she rides all the time, and like there's so many like after like high stake drama happens in the book, she'll like go and ride her horse. And I was reading it really late at night, like you know the day before right. class, like one of those sorts of things. And I was like, this is such a weird friendship. Like, all they do is like hang out, and she feeds him food. <laughs> and then I said that to someone who I was reading it with, and they were like, Bree, that's a horse. <laughs> and <laughs> like, never says yeah. like Stephen got on her horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the word horse is almost ever mentioned. But I then I was like, the carrots in the sugar cube. Yeah. Or when she like puts him in his stable. <laughs> I think maybe that was it. Where I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. A stable. <laughs> Not a nice bed. <laughs> so who wrote The Well of Loneliness? Radcliffe Hall. Her name was Margaret Radcliffe Hall, but she used her Ooh. middle name. Ah, uh, very cool. To be more butch. There it, it is. is. So it's written here in our notes that she believed herself to be a... Congenital. Basically that she was born inverted. Interesting. A congenital invert means she was like 
born inverted. Was she the first like person learned. to be like, I was born this way, baby? <laughs> She definitely was, like, a little bit activisty. I mean, the end of The Well of Loneliness is basically, like, a page of her being like, and we deserve equal rights, and the gays should be held in higher esteem, and it's, it just sort of, like, derails into Stephen being like, give me my freedom. Yeah, it becomes a weird manifesto, yeah. unless, like, we're finishing this beautiful narrative. Yeah, but yeah. after 350 pages, it suddenly oh, just, like, strange. switches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like, doesn't even really wrap up the story. It's just Stephen's living her life, and then suddenly is like, and by the way, I got a thing or two to say about equal, equal rights. rights. Yeah. Equal rights. So what about The Well of Loneliness made it what you have said is the first and most influential famous lesbian novel of all time? I think it's definitely up there. That and, like, passing probably. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the big thing that made it, like, super, super famous was that it was in an obscenity trial. London banned it. Oh. And Radcliffe Hall had to go to court. Oh. Yeah. The judge ruled it obscene because I do quote, it depicted unnatural practices between women. And then they destroyed every copy of it. And then the U.S. printed it. And everything was better. (laughs) (laughs) And now we have equal rights. When we say it depicts unnatural practices between women, the like most sexual it ever gets is that. And then that night, they did not sleep separately. That's the most. Oh, very vague. Yeah. She like kisses people sometimes. But the closest it gets to sex is just like very like winky. Hmm. Okay, so I know that you're listening. (laughs) Don't fast forward through this, because this is an important message from Robert and Jay. He didn't tell me what he was going to say beforehand, so I don't know where this is going. We need you to do something. (laughs) Open Instagram, go to the search, and type in one more thang with an A because I was taken, and follow us on Instagram. We need you to do this because we need to be celebrities. (laughs) And the only way to do this is with your help. Now go to Twitter, open the search, and type in, once again, one more thang with an A because I was taken. And, oh, we didn't say to hit follow. Oh! Then hit follow on Twitter. We have so much content on there that you need to be paying attention to. Twitter is all about the news, really. And our Instagram is all about recaps and hot or nots. Pictures of Sia with yeah. her Tuesday Pictures book club. Pictures of my cat with books. And all sorts of stuff. So help us out. Go to social media. All right, back to the episode. So speaking of writers, Will Cather. Ever heard of her? I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> from you. From you, man. From, from you exclusively. We've all read My Antonia. That's actually one of the few I haven't okay, read. Okay, so... Yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't super gotten there yet. Okay, so none of us have read My Antonia. Except for you, but that's I've okay. Read, I'm yes. familiar enough with her work. So, so basically, My Antonia is, is a first-person book about, like, a boy who loves a girl. Very simple. <laughs> and it's, like, first-person from this boy's perspective, and he's in love with this girl, Antonia. But people now think that it was her trying to write a love letter to her partner who was a woman but like disguising it as like it's a boy talking mm-hmm. it's definitely a boy um, who loves a girl but it was mm-hmm. actually like her loving a girl which I think is cute yeah cause it was like <laughs> how do I get this published yeah and how do I not have it burned yeah oh I'll just you know I'll just it pretend it's yeah, a boy yeah exactly but Here's my favorite thing about Willa Cather. I have a friend who is like a Willa Cather scholar, Mm -hmm. and he told me that at the Willa Cather Museum, because there's like a whole big museum of hers, which is in Nebraska, Mm -hmm. apparently didn't have anything about her partner, who she was with for 39 years, (gasps) until last year. What? They only just put up stuff about her partner last year because for a long time, the board that like oversaw her estate was super conservative. Wow. 
and was like, she had a roommate who she lived with for 40 years. Well, then why did they like Willa Cather? It was her family, like her descendants. Oh. I know, right? Wow. They were just like, Willa was a great writer. Yeah. She was a really good writer and that's it. Very vague. And she never married. Her partner called her William and she wore men's clothing. Mm. But there's like still a lot of debate about whether she like the sort of like situation with Stephen Gordon in The Well of Loneliness where it's like, is she a man or does she just like men's clothing? clothing. Yeah. We can jump ahead even to Polly Murray, who was the first black female Episcopal priest and also was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's mentor. So Mm -hmm. just a stacked resume. I learned this in this book. She would go to doctors and say like, I need testosterone injections because there's something wrong with me. I think I'm intersex basically. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, you're certainly not. And she would be like, I am though. And you should give me the testosterone. She wrote in her diary a lot, like, I'm not a lesbian. I'm just a man trapped in a woman's body. Mm. And she was like, I'm not a lesbian because I'm not attracted to lesbians. I'm attracted to straight women, which is relatable. I was going to say, <laughs> that is a page right out of like, the old I guess but... I'm not a lesbian either. <laughs> <laughs> but then she like had girlfriends who were, you know, ostensibly not straight because they were, they dated for a while yeah. yeah she used she pronouns in her like discussion of herself but was like but also i'm a man and also i'm not a lesbian i'm a straight man who uses she pronouns and she like didn't want to get top surgery she just wanted testosterone hmm. whoa interesting so it, it sort of feels like when you read the book it feels like today this would be like a non-binary person honestly just like a person who's really internalized a lot of gender roles you know yeah totally and a lot of like internalized homophobia Polly Murray and Ruth Bader Ginsburg did they ever hook up no no, no they didn't write that fan fiction <laughs> yeah she was now like, I know what I was born to do <laughs> to write Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> fan fiction <laughs> really explicit erotica yeah do all of the Supreme Court justices have gavels? Yes. Why do you... Oh! Now I have an object. <laughs> an object! Okay, I can't wait to read it. Are you concerned <clears throat> that if this court this year were to say that uh, there is a constitutional right for same-sex couples to marry, that there are parts of the comp- country that would not be able to accept or would not accept that decision? I think it's doubtful that it wouldn't be accepted. The change in people's attitudes on that issue has been enormous. In recent years, people have, have said, this is the way I am. And others looked around, and we discovered it's our next-door neighbor. We're very fond of them. Or it's our child's best friend, or even our child. I think that as more and more people came out and said, this is who I am. And the rest of us recognized that they they are one of us. So there are drag kings out there mm-hmm. who are not you. Yeah, we Googled yes. drag king and weirdly enough, you it were the wasn't. first and then everyone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Surprise, a drag king started the Stonewall riots. Did what? we know that? A drag king, not a drag queen. A drag king. I'm confused because I watched that movie Stonewall. Okay, well, I learned this while I was researching. Stormy Delarvery, or Stormay, sorry, Stormay, not Stormy like Stormy Daniels, Stormay. So it's like storm and then E with an accent goo on it. And then DeLarvery, D-E-L-A-R-V-E-R-I-E, was a butch lesbian whose scuffle with police, according to Storme herself and many eyewitnesses, was the defining moment that incited the Stonewall riots, spurring the crowd to action. It was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights disobedience. It wasn't no damn riot, she said. And she was a drag king performing at Stonewall. 
Oh, wow. And she was the MC of the Jewel Box Review, which was the first racially integrated drag review. Oh, I didn't know that. How come no one is talking about her? I know, right? I didn't know who she was either. Is Stormay in the Stonewall movie? I mean, I doubt it. I'm going to look up the IMDb characters. <laughs> <laughs> look how hot she was. I was going to say, that oh, photo is wow. gorgeous. This is useful information, and information I feel is imperative if we're going to talk about drag queens and trans women leading the revolution. Exactly. Which is that needs to be discussed, and I'm happy right. it's being discussed, but this is a prime example about how we're, no one is talking about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. As much as like we love Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, there's mm-hmm. so much talk about them, and rarely ever any talk about our new best friend, Storme. People apparently call her the Rosa Parks of the gay rights movement. She went by she, her, out of drag, and he, him, in drag, as opposed to, like, Murray Hill, who is, like, always in drag Mm -hmm. in public and always uses he, him. But she was a bouncer in lesbian bars and would still be Storme, but they would, like, use she, her about her, and she would be just, like, totally gender-fucking. So this just in, Storme is not in the Stonewall 2015 movie. Weird. After leaving home, Stormy sang with jazz bands across the country, developing the silvery baritone that would serve her well in her next incarnation. So I tried to do the proper thing, you know, wear men's clothes on stage and wear women's clothes on the street. I got picked up twice for being a drag queen. Well, the guy uh, that arrested me once for being a drag queen came in the club and he said, uh, 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 said, you don't know how to tie. I said, well, I'm not tying my tie right. Why don't you come in every night and show me how I'm supposed to tie? And he did. To this day, I can tie a bow tie with even looking in the mirror, and it'll be perfect. In terms of drag kings in the media, I forgot. I forgot that Yentl is the first thing on this list, which Robert has not seen. Yeah, I didn't know that that's what it was about until we started writing this episode. Because you were like, oh yeah, Yentl. And I was like, ha, what? I've only ever seen the Papa Can You Hear Me scene. Oh yeah. Barbara plays a girl whose father dies, and she wants to go to yeshiva, so she dresses like a boy. Your and she directed songs. it, right? Oh yeah. Here's something that I learned. Mm-hmm. Yentl is based on a play, which I didn't know. In the play, she says, I'm neither one sex nor the other, and I have the soul of a man in the body of a woman and at the end she decides to live as a man for the rest of her life she's like yeah I'm a guy now and just like continues on living as a man does that happen in the movie no in the movie she falls in love with Mady Patinkin well, I mean... Can you blame her? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm a girl. And then they fall in love. Huh. Same with Mulan. Yeah, yeah really. And same with Albert Knobs. <laughs> I actually haven't seen Albert Knobs. Not, okay. So no one in this room has seen <laughs> Albert Knobs. This is Knobs. a perfect, <laughs> perfect transition. None of us have seen Albert Knobs. I just remember seeing the trailer and thinking it looked silly. Yeah, it also yeah. looks like a bad movie. I watched the trailer and was like, that looks boring and just never looked at it. Yeah. I would like to discuss something okay. about the film Albert Knobs. You do really love this subject, and I have yet to look it up. I love, okay. The subject of the film Albert Knobs? No. So, <laughs> I wanted to find out what Albert Knobs was about. I didn't know, like, is she playing a trans man? Is she playing a cis man? Is she playing, like, a drag king? Is it, like, a Victor Victoria thing? Basically, what I got from the plot synopsis on Wikipedia is that she is a woman living in disguise as a man because of an abusive ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So she becomes a butler, but then the cook is also another woman living as a man. What? <laughs> yeah. I know. He basically, like, pretends to be a man to get a job as a waiter and then gets the job and then just, like, decides to live as a man forever after that. This is going well. Which, like, what? That doesn't make... What? What? Is, what? Huh? He got a taste of privilege. And yeah, he, he was like, no. oh, they'll give me a job, eh? I guess I'll be a man 
for the rest of my <laughs> life. And by the way, it is clear that he's not a trans man. He just was like, you'll give me a job? Great. I guess I will just wear men's clothes forever. I wonder if that's addressed in the film. If you've seen Albert Nobbs. <laughs> Please explain the plot because I don't understand it. Albert also dies of a head injury when someone slams him into the wall. What is this movie? I know! I have no idea crazy. that there were multiple people living life like at, like women yeah. living life as men. Yeah. I thought it was just Albert himself. I also would love to point out on the Wikipedia page for this movie, Close first played the titular character in a 1982 stage production and spent 15 years trying to turn into a film. Oh. Basically what I want to say about Albert Knobs is that it sounds like the worst movie ever made. Agreed. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking that. Yeah. What's your name? Albert. Your real name? Albert. Ah! Oh! (laughs) What? What? Whoa. Turns out, maybe I love Albert Knobs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we can't talk about Albert Knobs anymore. We can talk about Michelle Rodriguez in The Assignment. Explain to us what the movie is. Michelle Rodriguez plays a trans woman, which honestly, I think... Or wait, does she play a trans man? Let's find out from the trailer real quick. Oh, wait, there's the picture with the beard. Yep. Oh. Oh, No. What is that? (gasps) Oh, my... What?! Gosh. Who did this to her? Oh, Michelle. <gasps> oh, oh no. Michelle. This is... Well, listeners, it's called The Assignment. It features I... Michelle Rodriguez with a beard and a gun. I can't even look at this. And uh, I'm going to say don't watch. <laughs> Hello, Frank. You can call me the doctor. I'm the one who operated on you. And the reason why is simple. You killed my brother. This operation's your reminder of the terrible thing you did. I've liberated you from the macho prison you've been living in. Good luck, Frank. This is your opportunity for redemption. On the topic of cis actors playing anything but anything, which is possibly out in theaters right now, um, if there's any theater showing it. Oh no, is Mark Ruffalo playing a trans woman? No, Matt okay. Bomer is. Matt Bomer plays a trans woman in maybe LA. the South. Oh, LA. But LA, have... but he's doing a, like a weird Southern dialect for it. Like there's a part where the other guy is like, you got beat up. Why? And he's like, why? Because people are evil. And it literally like he hasn't had a dialect before this. And then suddenly he's like, I'm going to be a Southern belle for this character in the middle of this what? trailer. The it's terrible insane. thing about the movie that I think is almost on par with the fact that Matt Bomer is playing this character is that the plot is very much just like this guy starts dating a trans woman and his family freaks out. And there's a part where this, where the little brother says, well, love is love. So fucking true. Yeah. So. <laughs> so fucking true. But so then where Mark Ruffalo comes into play uh. is so the trans community, you know, found out about this <laughs> yeah. movie and raised a ruckus on Twitter. Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo spoke out on Twitter and was like, listen up, trans community. Yeah. You, you have gotta to. I love a tweet that starts, listen up, trans community. It's me, Mark Ruffalo. Who <laughs> is like, I worked with Matt Bomer during the normal heart, which is true. They were really great in it, where Matt Bomer played a gay man, which he is. He was like, he was such a good actor and this movie was looking for an actor to come in and play this character and I suggested Matt Bomer because he's such a talented actor. Um, so <laughs> I Wait, suggest... So is Mark Ruffalo to blame exclusively well, that's, for this? That's what we were thinking. We were so talking about this. So he literally was like, 
you just have to wait and see the performance because it's like one for the ages before you put any kind of critique on it. And then the trans community was like, dear Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> Couple things. <laughs> That's still a problem. <laughs> Once you piss off your target demographic, yeah. like why do you still want to produce yeah. the film? Let us not forget his character is a sex worker. Are you kidding? I was going to say I felt like the clothes were like very sexualized for yeah. a trans woman, but no, of course she's not just a trans woman. She's, she's got to be a sex worker. Everybody, this is Frida. So, Frida, what do you do? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't understand what we're doing here. This pretending. Obviously, I am your worst nightmare. I will do anything to protect him. But isn't it just love? Really fast, I wanted to share please. with you that yes, something please. I think you guys would be very interested in. The first movie ever to include cross-dressing and bisexuals. Do you know what it is? No. It's a silent film oh. that came out in 1914. Mm. So this was pre-Hayes Code, which I think was in oh, yeah. the 30s. Mm-hmm. So this is before like homosexuality was totally banned. But in this movie, it's so fucking problematic. It's like a disgusting... I mean, all blackface is disgusting, but this is like... It's really fucked up. But this woman is visiting her aunt. And while she's visiting her, she's about to get married, blah, blah, blah. She finds this little box. And in the box, there's a few beans and a letter. And the letter is like, these beans came from Africa where we were colonizing, basically. (laughs) And the women there took these beans and became men. Stay away from these beans. And the girl's like, you know what? I'm going to try one of these beans. (laughs) So she takes one, and so does her maid, who is an actress in blackface. Sure. And they both become men in the film. And they're, like, sort of trotting around. Like, their whole physicality changes, right? Because it's a silent film, so everything Mm -hmm. relies on their physicality. And they start to seduce women. Women are interested in them. They, like, try to run away and not get married. All this crazy stuff happens. But then, don't worry, at the end, you find out, it was just a dream. It was a dream. It was oh. just a dream, guys. Oh. That's silly. Yeah. It's called A Florida Enchantment. Of course yes. it is. It's basically Disney. A Florida Enchantment. It's really insane, problematic in truly every way, but it's noted as the first film ever to include cross-dressing and bisexuality. 1914. Whoa. So and this was Crazy. another one that's actually based on a play. Oh, wow. Um, play came out. People were like, disgusting, horrible, but then they're like, let's make it a movie and then just call it all a dream and it'll be fine. The 1891 novel and the 1896 play, now lost. Oh, sad. Wow. Someone find it because you don't have to pay for the rights. Look, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Oh my god. You should watch it. How long is it? Only two hours. A two-hour silent film? It's a romp! But this is a really popular trope of, like, using dreams to get out of, like, gender parody. Yeah, Pamela Adlon was in a movie when she was a teenager called Willy Millie. Mm-hmm. Where she plays a girl named Millie and who just wakes up as a boy, and it ha- it was called something special, and it was also called I was a teenage boy before it was called Willie Millie, and the poster is indeed just her looking in her pants. Oh my god! <laughs> There's a book called uh, Impossible Desire by Gayatri Gopanath. And it's about, like, queer depictions in, like, well, there's the section I'm referring to is about queer depictions in Bollywood films in particular. And how they're able to 
depict homosexuality on screen or cross-dressing and things by using musical and fantasy and dreamscapes. Wow. And because it was all a dream or because it was all a musical number, it's so forgiven. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more in this book, too, but I would recommend it. Wow. Yeah, those are my, my two things I thought I'd share. Those are the wrecks. We love it. Yeah. We love it. Has this ever happened to you? You suddenly come into some extra money. You're thinking, man, I've paid my rent. I've bought my food and I've got five extra dollars this month. What am I gonna do with it? Well, have we got news for you. You can take that five dollars and you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash one more thing. And you can give that five dollars a month to your trusty friends, Jay and Robert. And with that money, if you give us one dollar a month, you'll get a bonus episode every month. It might be us, I don't know what I'm doing in those episodes. We fell in love once. We talked about our favorite people. For $5, you get a video every month where sometimes we cook food, sometimes we play games, frequently we play games. <laughs> and all for the low, low price of $5 a month. Can you believe it? And by the way, at $5 a month, you get both the episode and the video. What more could you want, honestly? Honestly, what more could you want? Welcome back, this is One More Thing, the game. <laughs> And we are joined today by, I'd say, our biggest guest. Yeah, yet. for sure. Our first straight guest. The one and only... Award-winning. Award-winning. Yeah, Grammy-nominated Justin Bieber. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me here tonight. Uh, I feel... Man, I just feel like... I feel like so blessed to be here. Like, thank you so much, Jay and Robert, man. Thank you. I'm so excited to be in the presence of greatness. This is really amazing. Justin, we yeah. pulled up some of the latest news stories about you. Huh. And we're just going to read you some headlines and see what you have to say about them. You know what, man? Like, let's do this. There's no better time than the present. Uh, God has a plan for us, so we're just going to we're just going to follow it, okay? <laughs> Listeners, I wish you could see the physicality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first headline. Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber sucks at soccer, says ex-team USA coach. Uh, that's honestly like like for me really hard to hear because like <laughs> Whenever I go on tour, the first thing I do when I get to another country is play soccer with kids. You can Google it. It's true. There's mad picks. So um, I may not be good at it, but I have a lot of heart at it. Uh, so it's pretty helpful to hear someone speak about me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber spent more than 100 hours getting tattoos. Uh, yeah, no, that's 100% true. Uh, my tattoos are one of my favorite things about me. People always say you're going to regret them, but to me, they're like works of art. One of my most recent ones uh, is a tattoo on my leg that says, uh, better at 70, uh, because I aim to be a better person by the time I'm 70. <laughs> that's true. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about getting it myself. You just sure out of parody. <laughs> To be like, there's a lot I could do better. Hopefully, at the age of seventy, oh my I will have done it. God, I know. Well, it also is in like the ugliest font, I and know. it's on his thigh. I know. Oh, terrible! What the fuck? That looks like Disney font. I know. Oh it's my so God. sad. I w- kind of want to get the exact you ha- same you have to tattoo. Get this. But I'm brushed up on my facts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber gets serious about the real meaning of Easter. Yeah, man. For me, it's like. It's, like, whack that people still are all about this Easter bunny bullshit. Like, for me, this is about God gave up so much for us. Like, Jesus died so that we could live. So that we could live a better life. Like, if we're not putting the Christ in Easter, then I don't know what we're doing. 
I love how much he loves God. <laughs> he really does he love loves God. God. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys yeah. so much You're for so having me. You. Likewise. And thanks for bringing Justin Bieber with you. Mm-hmm. He is always in my back <laughs> pocket as much as I try to escape him. <laughs> He's just so small that he just slides he just right into my baby. baby. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? That's a great question. My uh, <laughs> okay. Twitter is uh, just... Twitter slash uh, Bree Northrup. My Instagram is, of course, the iconic at Lil Triple Underscore Daddy. So that's Lil Underscore 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 Daddy. Lil Daddy. When and you first followed me on Instagram, I didn't know it was you, and I was like, "What the fuck kind of like porn account?" No, like, oh, I know. No, it's just Bree. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't be surprised at how many porn accounts follow me. I'm sure, thinking yeah. I will be their daddy, <laughs> their uh, but daddy. I am unemployed so <laughs> i will not be their daddy but i could be their daddy of emotional support that's true yeah you're doing great <laughs> be sure to follow us on all of our social media at one more thing because i was taken which we're still trying to fix. Yeah, so if you have the one more thing handle, let us know. I've been um, reporting you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Tessa Lee, our producer. Megan Burnett, who's, I, at this point, she just does everything for us. Yeah, 440 Studios, where we record. Stephanie Hawkins, for p- taking pictures of us. Thank you to the children next door, who are constantly banging on the walls. Yeah, and they are now Hamilton. jumping. Uh-huh. Um, I think there are fully trampolines in there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Bree Northrup. Thank you guys for having me. And we will... See ya See you next, next week. week. Bye. But that's also like the only up. movie with like a train. No, it's not. Are you segueing? I was going to say that's like the only movie with a trans man in it played by a cis woman. But how could I possibly ever, ever forget the greatest film ever made? Three Generations, otherwise known as About Ray. Do you not know about this movie? Oh, <gasps> oh we're about to. Oh, Brie.